Hey, welcome into the Coach Bono's podcast here on the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recording live at the O'Connor Advisor Group Studios. Check out all things O'Connor Advisor Group at OAGKS.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter at Coach Bono's Show. You can check out the Facebook pages, search for Coach Bono's Show, and you can email us anytime at Show at gmail.com. Got a special little bonus episode for you. Uh, we're gonna I'm gonna review the AEW Dynamite from New York City, the Grand Slam. Uh, they had the five match card on Wednesday night last week, and I'm gonna go ahead and give us a review, give you sort of my thoughts, a little time to update on some wrestling stuff to kind of see where things are going. I haven't talked wrestling in a couple of weeks, and uh, at the same time, we've been a little behind on a couple other pods. We've caught up. The uh, .5 pod from Friday is up. That's going to have myself and Ellen uh, getting the whole weekend going and talking about everything from Jayhawk football to uh, previewing the NFL and college football for the weekend, a couple of gambling tips in there as well. And then Uncle Rico and I uh, wrapped up the, the NFL weekend on Monday night by talking all things week three in the NFL that is out as well. So by the time you get this, we're going to be all caught up. I appreciate everybody's patience. With all the football stuff, we are a little running a little behind at times. I had a couple days where I had some schedule glimpses, if you will, and try to get it all taken care of. So I appreciate everybody. And uh, to do this, I want to do this separately because I know some folks aren't into the wrestling content. Some are. So we're going to jump right in. AEW had their big... New York City Arthur Ashe event uh, this past Wednesday night uh, sold out. No, I guess it wasn't a sellout, but I guess it was a million-plus-dollar draw at Arthur Ashe Stadium, the home of the U.S. Open uh, in Flushing, uh, New York. And interesting card. We're gonna hit, I'll hit the card real quick, and then I'll kind of walk you through it. And before we get going too far into this, this episode is being brought to you by Caesar's Sportsbook. Be a Caesar. Get an extra $50 on any bonus, uh, any deposit. When you go to the Caesar Sportsbook, check out our show notes. Get the link. You're going to get a deposit bonus plus an extra $50 of free play money from us as well. So check that out. Be a Caesar. If you're here in Kansas, if you're in Colorado, or up to like 14 different states now, you can be a Caesar and play today so we appreciate that and uh, have some fun with that we thank caesars for sport for uh, spotting the bill for this bonus episode want to get into the card and kind of here's what's happening with with aew's grand slam uh started out we've got um a, a match i didn't know was coming this was kind of a surprise me i have not been watching as closely lately and that is chris jericho challenging claudio castagnoli for the Ring of Honor Championship. So um, about a 14, almost 15-minute match. Pretty good match back and forth. Um, I liked some of the stuff I saw in this. What I didn't like was I felt like um, Jericho like got himself in a little better shape. He's still trying to hit some big moves. He's just not capable of doing. He uh, abashed a code breaker off the ropes. Um Jericho looked sloppy as the match progressed. Uh, it just his wind isn't there, and he just isn't quite as good as he used to be. The first thing, though, 
that struck me watching this match, even more so than the action in the ring, was the announcing. If you do go back and watch this, or if you haven't watched it, if you have watched it, you'll probably have noticed this. I love that for the Ring of Honor matches, they bring in Ian Riccoboni. I think he's really good as an announcer. But we've got Riccoboni, Excalibur, Taz, and Tony Schiavone. And they're all, they all wait for their spot to talk. They don't talk on top of one another, which is a good thing. But there's not a consistent or coherent story being told. It takes away from the story being told in the ring. Personally, if I was going to do this with the Ring of Honor matches, I would take either the Ring of Honor crew or I would do Riccoboni with Taz and I would tell Excalibur to take a nap and get a snack and Shivani I wouldn't even have in the booth right now. As most people know, I'm not a big fan of Tony Shivani. I don't think he's... He doesn't give anything to the play-by-play of the, in the announcing. What he does really well, I think, is the interviews in the ring, on the stage, or backstage. I would put Tony Schiavone in that role and keep him there. But we got four people, and they're talking. They're all trying to get their shit in, and it's just not working for me. And I think it really took away from the match. Um, during the match, we get through it. A uh, couple big spots in here. Jericho misses the code breaker. Um, and then Jericho gets the sw- gets put in the swing by Claudio. And the funny part to me, if you go back and watch this, Claudio whips him around. He whips him around, you know, first they count it. It's one, two, and three. And it gets around to like 18, 19, 20. And usually Claudio will set him down. And it, he doesn't quite sling him. But it does, he kind of half slings him a little bit. Like, they're going to go a couple of feet. Not Chris Jericho. He set Chris Jericho down like he was putting a baby to bed. He just laid him down nice and soft. Didn't want to do anything to Chris Jericho. Funny as hell to me. Um, I didn't like the way this match ended. It was very, very sloppy at the end. We have a distraction of the ref. Jericho hits a low blow. Then does the Judas Effect, one, two, three. Jer- Chris Jericho wins the ROH title. Now, from there, what we find is that Chris Jericho, they, they talk about this as his eighth world championship and how he's finally won the Ring of Honor title and he's won every major title, including the AEW championship. And it really looks like the reasoning, the only reasoning for Tony Khan to do this and to book this is to give Chris Jericho the ROH titles so that they can say that he's won every major championship, WWE, AEW, WCW, Ring of Honor, on around. The match itself didn't make a lot of sense as to why they were doing it. It was sloppy at points. Jericho didn't really wasn't great in this match. Claudio did about as well as he could with, with Jericho. Like I said, I, the funniest part to me was he laid him down at the end of the swing like a baby. I'd give it two and a half stars. Uh, didn't like the end, but it kind of, let's see where it goes from there. Uh, what I did like is there wasn't a huge afterbirth. We didn't see five guys come attack anybody, stuff like that, which is your normal Tony Khan stuff, but we didn't see a lot of that. 
they just kind of kept it moving. I think they knew they had to keep things going. They had a lot, long way to go and a short time to get there and during this card. Next match, we've got the tag team title match. Uh, Swerve Scott, Keith Lee, the defending tag team champions, versus the Acclaimed, who, I got to tell you, I don't know if anybody is over like the Acclaimed. The crowd goes bananas. The scissor me daddy ass thing. Um, you know, he it's they bring Billy Gunn out with them. And I think it's funny stuff. It's not my cup of tea, but it is funny stuff. And the crowd likes it. And that's what's most important. If the people like it, then you keep doing that shit. Um, let's get into it. There was, this was a good match. Keith Lee is a monster. This man, um, he, he they played this right. They put Keith Lee in the match, most of the match against the Acclaim, kind of you know having to move the immovable object kind of thing. I liked the storytelling. There was a couple times where you had a couple of close falls where it looked like the Acclaim might win, and then it gets pulled right back out. I really liked a lot of that. I didn't understand doing some of the stuff on the outside. There was a thing where they brought a boombox in the ring and they hit a boombox. and It was a terrible looking spot and really unnecessary. I just It's one of those guys, don't complicate things. You're trying to tell a story. The announcers, unfortunately, were not helping on selling the story whatsoever. Um, God damn, I... Excalibur's awful. Taz is trying to carry this thing through, and Shivani is just terrible. But in the end, you just kind of keep you keep with the ring and the action in the ring. They do the four people in the ring were telling a pretty good story. I didn't like a couple of things. I didn't like the boombox spot. I did like Keith Lee doing a second rope moonsault. Um. He's slow and prodding. In my notes, I put he's Andre slow. He's not quite that slow. He kind of was more plodding in this match, but I think that was part of the story they were doing as well. Um, a couple of botched double-team moves uh, from Swerve and Lee and from the Acclaimed, um, and I don't understand taking it outside and then Billy Gunn does the Famouser, and then they roll the guy back in, they... The Acclaim puts him up. They do their finisher. One, two, three, new champs. Um, the Acclaim beat Swerve and Lee, become the new champs. I really liked the story overall. A couple of things I didn't like was the extracurricular activity. They could have done without that, and the match would have been a little stronger. I gave it three stars. Probably would have been three and a half, maybe even four, without the Billy Gunn spot, without the Boombox spot. Um... But I did like what I see. Um, I just don't know what the reasoning for having the Billy Gunn spot was. Now, look, that guy looks fantastic, by the way. I don't know what he's on, but goddamn, for his age, that guy is looking great. And I think he's a fun fit for the acclaim. So, you know, when you just take it in on that, I think that was pretty cool. And I'm glad that the acclaimed are now the tag team champions. It's really cool they're going to get an opportunity. This is about a 13, almost 14-minute match. 
I thought it was, it's interesting to me because they are going to get a chance to run with this for a bit. Obviously, Keith Lee and Swerve Scott were going to temporary champs. It was a thing to get the titles off the Young Bucks without them losing to the FTR because, God forbid, the Bucks want to lose something to the FTR. Um, the bad thing is now is that the Acclaim's going to have to have a run-in with the FTR now. And is, if you listen to this, you know I'm a big FTR guy. I think that, you know, it's going to be a short a short feud or a short uh, title stint for the Acclaimed. But if you do it right, you could have a couple of switches back and forth between the two, two teams, and you can maybe get three, four, maybe even five different um, uh, matches out of that. Just don't get too caught up in the outside stuff, if you ask me. After the uh, tag team match, we get a... A live interview, we've got Tony Schiavone on the ramp talking to Wheeler Yuta. He's then interrupted to MJ, by MJF, who gets the biggest, hugest pop of the night. Um, this is the most over guy in the entire wrestling business. MJF is more over than anybody. That includes Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns, Moxley, uh, Brian Danielson. Nobody is as over as MJF. I would even say that he's more over than CM Punk if we, if we see CM Punk return. We'll talk about that afterwards. Uh, MJF interrupts Euler, uh, Yuta. Um, Yuta was doing a good promo. He and MJF go back and forth for a minute. But then Yuta made a mistake. And I'll tell you what the mistake is. It's clear that what happened was he talked to Chris Jericho on how to do a promo. Because he did the Jericho adding too many adjectives to an insult. You know, when you when you add two or three adjectives, when you call somebody a low-life motherfucking piece of shit, you know, that's enough. But when you call somebody a low-life motherfucking cocksucking, and, and you keep adding adjectives, it takes away from it. And now obviously they don't use that kind of language, but... That's what Yuta was doing. He had like four or five adjectives in a row to describe MJF, and it took away from the whole point. Be a little more concise. He was doing a good job, too, until he got into that piece. Um, MJF then insulted William Regal. That pisses Jericho or pisses Yuta off, who slaps MJF. MJF uh, slips backwards. Yuta and Shivani um, end up... Uh, Getting pushed back, MJF comes in and he he, he hits Yuta from behind and he shoves Shivani. Uh, then Morrissey W. Morrissey comes out, saves MJF when Yuta catches up to MJF after he shoves Shivani. Um, I'm not sure that the shove with Shivani was planned. He looked very surprised by it. Um, I also agree that we shouldn't be touching announcers. No reason to do that. And so I think that was somewhere I would that was a bridge too far for me as well, the MJF thing. But we're obviously we're setting up MJF's gonna end up battling the back the Blackpool comic uh the back the Blackpool Combat Club, excuse me, as we move forward and we see how it happens in the main event. Uh then we got Jane Cargo in a pre-record with Shivani. I don't know what the fuck they were talking about here. And who the fuck is Trina? I don't know who. I just made me think of a, like an old like 
80s movie. I thought it was something from House Party. I was like, who the fuck is Trina? I don't know who the fuck this bitch is. I don't know who they're talking about. This is just this is an example of the Tony Khan thing of he thinks that every viewer knows who everybody is. I don't know who the fuck they're talking about. Give me an idea. Show me a clip. And then let Jane Cargill talk to somebody. I don't know. That really didn't make sense. Back to the ring. We got Pac defending the All-Atlantic title against Orange Cassidy. Oh, I'm going to take a big deep breath because I fucking hate Orange Cassidy. This guy is a waste of space. I don't get it. I'm never going to get it. This guy's a joke. Every match is a sham. They're pretty much all the same. It's him putting his fucking hands in his pockets, doing a couple of nip-ups, you know, some high-flying bullshit. I Orange Cassidy looks like a hipster on cocaine. He is, in the orange punch, is a fucking joke. You know, when Roman Reigns does the Superman punch, it looks like fucking Superman. It looks real. Orange Cassidy couldn't break a fucking graham cracker with that punch. If he hit me with that punch, it would break his hand. Fuck that guy. Anyway, a 12-minute match that should have been a 3-minute match, Pac ends up winning the match when he uses the hammer from the ring bell with the referee distracted. The best part is... The referee sees it, but he doesn't see it. It's just hysterical. Um, hits Cassidy with the with the uh, with the the hammer from the ring bell. Then he goes up. It takes I don't know. And what the fuck is it with Pac, who climbs up to the top rope for his flipty flop, whatever the fuck it's called, is his finishing move, and it takes him thirty fucking seconds to get balanced up there. I mean, he looks like a deer on ice. I don't understand that. It's like if Mike tried to climb my fat ass up on there. Uh, I'm just not impressed with that. I think Pac is a great-looking athlete. I think he's got, he's got an incredible bite. He's, got, he's a great, um, he's a good wrestler, a great wrestler. But that flip-flop thing he does off the top, it just takes him too long to set it up. It's not, there's no sense of realism that in a fight or in a contest, he'd be up there that long. That bothered me. In the end, Pac retains. Um, this is a two-star match. This was not worth my time nor my energy. And I, um, you know, anybody who was involved in this can basically just kiss my ass. I don't ever want to see these two guys again. I don't see anything about Pac that I necessarily want to keep watching. And I see nothing about Orange Cassidy and that whole gimmick. I wish that Dan Housen would turn on all of them, curse them, turn heel, and kill them all. Whew. Deep breath. Deep breath. Deep breath. All right. Next match. We're almost through it. We only have five matches in this card. Uh, fourth match. This is for the AE interim AEW women's title. Uh, we have an interim champion, and that is... Um, uh, the interim champion is Tony Storm. So we got Tony Storm... Uh, defending her title against Britt Baker, Serena Deeb, and Athena. Athena is... Okay, so we got the four ladies in the ring. Um, the, the first part of this that I want to talk about is 
the four ladies. I think they're all capable wrestlers. Tony Storm looks like a model. She's obviously outstanding looking, blonde hair, the, the red lips, the whole thing. Uh, Britt Baker is the most over woman in AEW. Athena, we've seen her in WWE, and we've seen her. She's got a, she's wildly athletic. And then we have Serena Deeb, who I think is by far the best wrestler of all. And I just think Serena is also the cutest one of all. I just think she's adorable. Um, I just my thing. I like Serena Deeb, and she's the one I think's the best out of all of. I also think she's the best in ring technician of all four. I think it would really help the AEW Women's Division to make Serena Deeb the champion and have her win some of these matches and get some of these women over. But they're not doing that. Tony Storm is the interim champion. And um, what bothered me the most about this match, though, Tony Storm wins the match. Uh, there was no hokey-pokey stuff here. Britt Baker did bleed. She got busted in the mouth. I didn't see exactly how it happened, but she got hit in the mouth. Um, Three-star match, if you ask me. So far, it was better than, than the match before it. Not quite as good as the tag team match, but I thought these ladies did a good job. The announcers were awful during this match. They were talking about anything but this match. Like they didn't care, uh, especially about half first half of the match. It was, you have Excalibur every once in a while would shout out the name of a move. You have Taz trying to stay on course. Shivani fucking up everything. It was just brutal listening to these guys. And I just don't get it. Well, we do have an afterbirth here, and that is Brett Baker stomp, starts um, stomping on Tony Storm. Then we get um, Storm starts bleeding from her nose. Out comes Jamie Hayter. Who's she going to help? Is she going to help Storm? Is she going to help Brett Baker? She ends up helping Brett Baker. And then out comes Soraya, the old page from WWE. Comes out to a big ovation. She runs the, the bad... The uh, the heels out the ring, everyone else is outside and like oh my god oh my god the crowd's going crazy the big unveil that now Soraya I think it's I think it's how I'm pronouncing it is in AEW now we have heard I've heard this I've already read the internet on this that she's still not cleared to wrestle so there was no physicality she didn't touch anybody no one touched her she basically it was basically a, basically a big cheer fest for the you know, coming into the event there. Um, the match itself was pretty good. I like that, you know, they bring in someone like Soraya. I'm a big fan of hers as well, but, I mean, if she can't wrestle, what's the use? I, I hate to say that, but if they're going to bring her in as a, as a manager, let's see how that goes. I, I, I'm intrigued, but let's see how it goes. The last thing we have, and this is what the whole show was based around. We have the new AEW world champion. Now we know what's happened. We had Moxley beat CM Punk a few weeks ago on Dynamite. Punk then beats Moxley at All Out. And then we have the backstage incident with CM Punk the EVPs, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, and everything that's happened there. And 
it looks like we have the suspensions now for all parties involved. We haven't seen the Omega, the Bucks, or Punk on television since. I understand that Punk has been suspended. They're all suspended. Punk's also had some kind of a surgery on a uh, torn muscle. I think it was his tricep. He's going to be out six to eight months anyway. So now we have a, a tournament, and a tournament comes down to John Moxley and Brian Danielson. I'm going to tell you right now, this was my favorite match of the night. I'm surprised by that, and I'll tell you why. Um, there's things about Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, Dan, so you still used to call him Daniel Bryan, but Brian Danielson, that sometimes he takes his abilities and brings it down to someone else's level to try to help get them over and instead of being who he is and having them come up to him. That's not what happened in this match. And what I mean by that is Moxley does shit that I just don't like. He didn't do this shit in WWE, but in AEW he does the shit outside the ring and the hardcore shit, and I just don't like any of it. But Moxley, starting the match, he comes out first, no William Regal with him. Then we see, then we hear Regal with the announcers. And then Brian Danielson comes out. Um, they show, they keep glancing up to MJF, who's in the suite opposite of the camera, right above the ring. They got the spotlight on him and everything, to where we all know MJF has the chip. He can get the title match anytime he wants with the champion. Um, Danielson was mostly dominant throughout most of the match. They kept the match for the most part in the ring. To me, when Moxley does that, when he doesn't get too much of the bullshit outside, Moxley's a better, and I can watch that. I can deal with that. Um, this wasn't bad. This was actually a pretty good match. Danielson looks like he's going to win this thing. Um, here's one thing that I think is kind of consistent, or inconsistent, I should say, in AEW. There's a spot where Brian Danielson does a nip-up. He's on flat on his back. He's going to nip up to his feet. And he does it better than Orange Cassidy does. But it also takes away from the spot when you do that in a championship match, trying to get the, the fans back behind you. If someone's already done it, three matches before, or two matches before. That's something you just see too much of in AEW, where, okay, we've seen the same kind of ending twice in a match, or twice in a night, you know, using a couple of different gimmicks, you know, whether it's the boombox in one match, or a low blow, or uh, the hammer of the bell. It's just uncreative. It's, it's, it's bad, it's bad writing. I hate saying that like that, but it's not because it's not writing. It's it's wrestling, but it's poorly put together. And then, if you know someone's going to do something for a spot in your main event, in your championship match, then don't let someone else do that spot two mat two matches before. And unfortunately, they did that. Um, and not only did. Um, Orange Cassidy do it so often. He did, did, did he do it in his match? He did it four times in his match. If you're going to have someone do that four times in a match, don't make it the big spot, one of the big spots in the championship match, or vice versa. Again, there's poor communications between the, 
the wrestlers. And I just wouldn't have had that spot in a championship match if you've already done it. Or would have told the guys earlier, don't do this, we're doing this. Just one of those things. Um, in the end, Moxley wins with a rear naked choke. Uh, kind of has the comeback, gets through it. Moxley wins, Danielson taps, and Moxley is the new AEW champion. Um, I think it's the right move, making uh, Moxley the AEW champion. I think it's a great reward for he's been the guy this whole year who has been cons- the most consistent. You know, it wasn't like MJF who took time off or Punk who's gotten hurt a couple times and now has a suspension. Uh, you know, Jericho is just... To me, just a disaster anyway, so I wouldn't put it on him. I don't think that Page was right, or, you know, I don't think that, you know, Hangman Page was the right guy either. And a couple of the young guys who were in the tournament, I don't think were good, Matt, were good ideas. I think the right guy won. At the end, as the, as the show goes off, we see the belt being given to Moxley. William Regal has come into the ring with both guys, both of them in the Blackpool Combat Club. And we see um, Danielson shove um, Regal back a little bit, take the belt from him, and that's when it went off the air. What we did see on the internet, on Twitter, anywhere you wanted to look for it, what we did see afterwards is that Moxley put the belt on, or Danielson put the belt on Moxley, I should say. Uh, so they're not playing any heat angle there. Just I think it's just a matter of they were running out of TV time and didn't get that all the way in. But I really think that um, the right guy won and everything else. Overall, my thoughts, that was a great match. Three and a half stars. Nothing over three and a half stars tonight or on that match, that whole card. I didn't like the Jericho match as much as some others did. I loved the acclaimed match. I loved the main event, but those are both good. I thought the women's championship match would get kind of thrown together the way it was and really just being more of a thing about an appearance for a new, uh, for someone new in that arena was going to be different. It was okay for what it was. Pac and Horace Cassidy, they could both just jump out of an airplane with no parachute as far as I'm concerned. Um, I'm not going to review the Grand Slam Rampage because, frankly, I didn't watch it, and I don't know that I'm going to go back and watch it. But um, I do see some things in AEW that I like. We have the situation now with the Elite, CM Punk, and what all's happened there. And I think in the end, I like CM Punk. I'm a big CM Punk fan. But I think in the end, if it means losing Omega in the Bucks, losing Punk is okay. The, the Elite is the biggest thing hurting the product. It hurts their ratings every time they wrestle. Uh, their ratings go down every time Omega or the Bucks have a match. I'm not just making that up. You can look at the ratings yourself and you'll see it. They lose upwards of 15 to 20% of the entire audience every time their, their matches come on Dynamite. Um, I like the fact that they don't have the trios championships. They don't get their way on this deal. I do think, we're going to talk a little bit about this now, I guess, but... Um, you know, what would I do about that whole CM Punk and the Young Bucks and Omega? I would suspend everybody. Uh, I think you have to take the EVP titles away from Omega and the Bucks just because I don't think that they can be representatives of your company and do what they did with your biggest star. 
or really not just your biggest star, but any wrestler backstage. It doesn't matter that it was CM Punk. It wouldn't matter if it was John Moxley. It wouldn't matter if it was Wheeler, Yuta, or anybody else. What they did was go into someone's locker room, physically assault them in this way. Whether they started the assault or not, it doesn't matter. That isn't how executives in a company should act. And so if it were me, I would for sure let them go of their of their executive titles. I would then either keep all of them and turn it into an angle somehow, or I would get rid of all of them. And on the way out, I would make all of them job. Whether that's, I guess, what Punky really can't because of the injury, but I think with the Bucks and Omega, I'd have them putting everybody over. I'd have Omega go out there and getting his ass kicked by MJF, by Brian Danielson, by Moxley. I'd have him lose five weeks in a row on Dynamite. I would definitely have the Bucks go lose a match against the FTR. I'd have him lose against the Acclaimed. And I wouldn't and I wouldn't let them get their shit in either. I would make sure that it looks that if they look like they're gonna have to serve a penalty in that ring. And if they don't and they're not willing to, bye bye boys. Good luck going back to Japan, because WWE ain't hired any of you guys. So kind of my take on that piece. But going back to the show and going back to where I think AEW is, there's some really good stuff happening. The acclaimed. That's Tony Khan actually listening to the fans a little bit. I like that. Um, I like they put the title on Moxley. Let's see what they do. Obviously, we're going to have MJF versus Moxley next. You know, it, the difficult part in there is, is MJF just going to win this thing and then it's just another Band-Aid and Moxley's a champion for two months or three months? It doesn't seem very fair. I don't know if fair is the right word, but certainly not equitable to what he deserves. And the fact that he is over. A lot of things can happen there, so I'm interested to see what's going to happen there on the, you know, in in wrestling and what's going to happen with AEW. There's a lot of, you know, what ifs and a lot of stuff going on backstage. We're seeing guys requesting their releases. You know, guys. We've had a couple of guys. Uh, Bobby Fish has now gone over to Impact. There's been some talk. Uh, what is it? Um, Alistair Black has left. Black, Malachi Black has left. I understand Buddy Murphy maybe leaving now soon. But they're going to have these non-competes for a long time where they can't go to WWE. Um, we'll see what happens. But there are some good things. I think the idea of not pushing the elite is the best thing AEW can do. With those guys out of the way, it's going to allow some of these, these guys like Swerve Scott and Keith Lee, like the acclaimed, like MJF. I think it's going to help Hangman Page in the end. I think it's going to help these guys move up the card and become more become more notable. And in doing that, I think what it also does is you don't rely on the two or three big names who honestly, with Omega and the Bucks, they're a name, but they don't draw ratings. That's a huge deal. So a few thoughts there. We're going to catch up over the next few weeks with some more stuff. We'll talk some more AEW. We'll talk some WWE as things happen, I uh, want to talk. Want to mention again? Thank you to Caesar Sportsbook for sponsoring the pod this week. Uh, check the show notes; you'll see a link in there. You sign up for uh, Caesar's Rewards, Caesar Sportsbook. You're going to get an extra fifty dollars 
as well as a bonus for any deposit you put in. You'll also uh, check out DoorDash. There's a link in the show notes for it. First three orders, you get $10 off each order. New customers only. You know, my little gimmick on that, get you a new, either a new cell phone number, a new email address, hook it up. So we thank both DoorDash and Caesars for joining us and helping us out today. I want to thank Tyler Jones and everybody at Studio Soapbox for all they do behind the scenes. Most importantly, I want to thank you, the listener. Thank you so much for being patient this week. Hope you enjoyed the review. Hit me up on Twitter, at uh, Coach Bono Show. We're always tweeting stuff, whether it's wrestling-related, whether it's sports-related or gambling-related. Hit us up. You'll see me. Ellen from The Point Five is also on there. We're having a good time with it. Interact with us. Let us know you're listening. Uh, don't forget to rate us review us. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts, we appreciate every five-star review. Until next time, I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. Have a great week. Remember, your time tokens are non-refundable. Take care, everybody. 